Welcome to the Kara's Kara's Digital Show and Podcast, where we explore the cutting edge of wellness. I'm Kara Sundlin. This episode is sponsored by the Center for Advanced Reproductive Services. Over the weekend, federal health officials confirmed that the Pfizer vaccine appears to be safe and effective for kids under the age of five. They said the same thing about Moderna's shot last week. So if both of these shots get cleared, vaccinations for kids under the five, under five could start very soon. Dr. Ulysses Wu is an infectious disease specialist with Hartford HealthCare, and he's here to help parents understand what they need to do now. Welcome, Dr. Wu. Hi there. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, these vaccines could start within a week, and I know the younger the child gets, the more nervous a parent gets about giving the vaccine. What can you say about their safety and efficacy? So one of the most common questions I get is, what are the 10-year long-term studies? What are the 20-year long-term studies? Clearly, that hasn't happened. But we do know, based off of the characteristics of the vaccine, as well as the data that we have accumulated so far, not just in the pediatric studies, but in the adult population, this is a really safe vaccine. And so what contributes to that uncertainty is the uncertainty about safety. And even though nothing is 100%, Uh, This is a very safe vaccine that is available for kids to be able to protect themselves and not just protect themselves, but also protect maybe the loved ones around them as well by getting vaccinated. And so with safety being the utmost concern, there shouldn't be as much of a concern because it is a safe vaccine. Now, a lot of kids under five don't seem to be that affected by the coronavirus. So some will say, well, why do they need to be vaccinated then? Right. So that's a very valid question. And if you actually extrapolate it to adults, the majority of adults also do well. But when you actually take an absolute number, rather than the percentages, you know, 95% do well, 99% do well, but you take the actual absolute number when you infect a certain amount of population from an absolute standpoint, you're going to unfortunately increase deaths, hospitalizations, side effects, long COVID, not to mention transmission as well. And so even though kids may do well, they may pass them on to others. But there are also kids who are unfortunately hospitalized. There are kids who still have consequences from COVID. And there are kids who still have long COVID. And unfortunately, there are kids who have died from this. And so based off of the sheer numbers itself, rather than looking at percentages, when you have a safe vaccine, it kind of makes sense to get vaccinated. Yeah. And A lot of people, you know, the message that got out early on in the pandemic was, well, it's most dangerous for old people. And not that it probably wasn't true, but do you think we got it wrong in that the general thought that everyone had, well, kids are safe and this is just an old person's concern? Right. We've never thought that kids were safe. But from that standpoint, are kids going to be disproportionate or are, are, I should say, the other way around? Are older individuals to be disproportionately affected by COVID. That is absolutely true. There's no doubt about that. And kids do seem to do better. But like I said, when you take the absolute number, and for something that is an ounce of prevention for a pound of cure, for something that is safe, it's kind of a no-brainer at this point, because it not only protects the kid themselves or the child themselves, but also protects those who live around them to a certain extent as well. 
So uh, talk to the parents who are, you know, maybe on the fence. You said there's going to be two camps. Those are running out to get it. Those are saying no way. And then some people in the middle. But um, it, a lot of doctors like you and, and infectious disease experts will say, this is so safe. This is so safe. All the data shows us this. So for parents who are like, well, what data? It's kind of a new vaccine. From a scientific perspective, why are doctors so confident that this is the right thing to do? Well, we do have a lot of data based off of the adult population, and not that kids are just tiny adults, but we can certainly extrapolate from that. And then we have the data from the pediatric studies as well, that this is a safe vaccine that induces a strong immune response. And so you're right, there are three camps. There are the people I know, I don't have to talk to them at all. They're going to go out and get this for their kid immediately. Then there's the camp that they... The, you could give them a million dollars and they're not going to get this vaccine. But it is that middle camp, right? The undecided voter, uh, if we were to extrapolate this to politics, that it's going to be a little bit different because they're kind of going to be waiting to see what happens with the kids who do get vaccinated, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's not necessarily that they're undecided, but they want to see more of a track record. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But in the meantime, should they contract COVID or should they get, should their kid get COVID and pass it on to somebody else, and there should be a dire consequence from that. You know, we, we certainly don't want that to happen for something that is a preventable disease. And some people say, well, what about my, my kids already had it. A lot of people got COVID in the last six months. Um, there were so many different variants yeah. running out. Oh, they just had it. Or, you know, they already had it and they barely had a sniffle. Do they need the vaccine? Yes, they do. Uh, so Omicron, we know that the, the immunity is fleeting. Uh, it's probably not long lasting. We are certainly seeing reinfections. Um, and who knows what repeated infections are due to the immune system and due to, uh, due to your long term uh, possibilities as well. So, again, it really just goes back to this, the same principle of it's a safe vaccine. It's not 100 percent safe, but yes, it is very safe, especially compared to a lot of other vaccines. And it does its job. So you couldn't really ask for more in a vaccine, safe and works. Kind of makes sense. So when you say it's not 100% and parents are like, well, what would happen? Like, what are some of the things that data has shown um, would be a problem? So everybody's, you know, symptoms are going to be different, right? So febrile illnesses, for example, maybe a little bit higher with these kids as opposed to kids that are older than age five. Well, some people will consider that an adverse effect. I mean, it is an adverse effect. But then there are the long-term consequences. So people worry about inflammation of the heart, right? Myocarditis associated with these vaccines. That, that is certainly a possibility. But we also know that inflammation of the heart or myocarditis is significantly much higher. You have a much higher chance if you actually get COVID itself. Now, people want to roll the dice and they'll be like, well, we'll take that chance. Maybe they won't get COVID or if they do get COVID, they won't have myocarditis. So these are some of the uh, some of the things that people are weighing. But in terms of very bad side effects associated with it, uh, they're they're fairly limited. So I was reading that. Um Though most kids do, do do very well, there are, if percentage-wise, if you take um, the infection rates and all that, that death can be a higher rate of death in the youngest population, at least for those kids who really don't do well. And I don't know if we know why certain kids don't do well, but if they, they, they're getting COVID and we have had kids dying from this, is, is, is that true, that sometimes it's worse for the younger ones? And is there something about those children that makes them more, do we know why they get it worse than others? 
But we don't certainly want to really weigh into the statistics of it because it is still unclear right now at this point. Um, yeah, some people do well, and there are host factors that will uh, lead to that, uh, certainly, uh, because there are some people that are going to be more susceptible to complications. But even if you strip all that down and you just take it back to the basic point of there is something out there that works, that's safe, why not try to prevent it to begin with? Regardless of whatever your risk factors may be. Do you foresee this being um, a shot that you get, just like I take my kids to the pediatrician, it's time for this shot, it's time for that shot. Are we going to see that as well for COVID? Yeah, that's the age-old question. How many shots are we going to have to get for for COVID? Um, And it really depends on what the transmission is going to happen and how long these vaccines, how long they will Uh, induce a robust immune response because immunity will wane over time. We've known that with some of the original coronaviruses prior to COVID-19. So that still remains to be seen. Uh, You know, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, uh, blow smoke and say that, oh, yeah, you just need a, a couple shots and then you're done. I do suspect that we're probably going to need at least yearly shots, um, uh, and, you know, with the fall, I, I, I'm assuming for the adult population, boosters are definitely going to be needed. Yeah. So th- this came out from the Associated Press that about three percent of U.S. COVID cases are in the age group of six months to four years. So a very small amount. But that hospitalization and death rates in that group are higher than those for older children. And that that's why the FDA thinks, you know, it might be even more important to protect this really, really young group. That's something I don't think most people would realize, that the death rates for young, young children are actually higher than for older people or older children, rather. Yeah, and I still think that we actually need to see the complete data on that and exactly why that happens. But rather than look at, I'm so happy that this age group is getting vaccinated. But I don't want to look at it like piecemeal, like, you know, it's Game of Thrones. It's like one kingdom and it's another kingdom and we're vaccinating this kingdom and this kingdom. It is the country as a whole. The country as a whole, no matter what age group, will benefit from whatever age group is getting vaccinated. And I think that's the most important message to put forth. You look at data from around the world. Uh, we know that, you know, Connecticut does a better job of vaccinating than maybe other states. The United States, do we do a better job of vaccinating in general? And that raises the question, like, are we just going to keep having COVID and keep having these issues if other countries aren't doing it? Well, it's we are certainly doing better, but we're not at a point where we can sit there and say, oh, we've really protected ourselves. And it's really the countries that are, you know, infecting us. I mean, we, we are doing, I hate to say it, a fairly good job of infecting each other at this point as well. So we're not, if you remember back to the Fauci days of we need to achieve this percent of immunity mm. and vaccination in the country, we're not even close to that. And I've always used the marker of 90%, for example, and we're not even remotely close to that. So could other countries be affecting our population? Absolutely. But we're doing a pretty good job of infecting ourselves as well. What about between the two shots? Uh, what I was reading said that Pfizer actually scored better for these under five vaccines um, with a higher efficacy than Moderna's two dose series. Is it going to matter which vaccine you get? Can you have a choice? So uh, you can have a choice and I'm going to have to play the parents in this point in the sense that I can't choose sides. I, I, I can't say which one's better at this point. Uh, data may lean one way, 
for one may lean against the other, but we've always said the best vaccination is the one that's in front of you. So get the one that you can and do your own due diligence uh, and make your own choice as well if you have that ability. But either way, it's right now between the two, it's tomato, tomato at this point. All right. <laughs> I have a little bit of both. I ended up with Moderna in the beginning and Pfizer at the end for a booster. So I guess I actually have heard, and not just for kids, I don't know if you if this is just conjecture or true in science, but some have said it's actually better to mix and match for immunity. So the, what they're calling is uh, heterogeneity with, with your immunity, uh, with the mixing and matching. It is theoretical. Uh, it, it could provide some benefits. There's probably little downside to getting uh, mixed and max, match, uh, mixing and matching the vaccines at this point. Um, but there's not really anything out there necessarily that says, oh, you definitely need to get one vaccine one day and then get the other vaccine the other day. So, I mean, if you could bottom line it, I know I can only imagine, you know, you're already so nervous when you've got a baby at home and wondering what the right thing to do is. And so many parents, they just want to do the right thing. But bottom line it, you know, you've got, say, uh, an infant at home. Would you hesitate at all or would that infant definitely be getting that shot when it's available in the next week or so? I would not hesitate for a second, especially if I had people that were vulnerable, grandparents, uh, brothers and sisters, parents that may be immune compromised as well. Uh, the, the bigger that you can increase that bubble, the better. All right, Dr. Ulysses Wu with Hartford HealthCare. Thank you so much for sharing some information. We do expect these authorizations to come out soon, so people are going to be able to get their shots for their children under five pretty soon. So thanks for clearing things up for us and the information. Thank you for having me again. And you can always find more information on the cutting edge of wellness on Kara's Cures. You can go back on the WSP Plus channel, watch other episodes. We love to bring you the latest information on the cutting edge of wellness. You can also follow me on social media at Kara Sundlin. I like to share this content there. Have a great day, everyone, and be well.